Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Truth of justification by faith in Christ is basically what Romans is all about. Paul trying to explain this incredible gospel of free grace. And thus far in Romans, he's shared his passion for the gospel. Gospel that's through faith, by God's grace, not through works. He's explained how stuffed we are without the grace of God. Let's be fair, in the last few chapters, he's gone in hard explaining the righteous wrath of God that people don't like to talk about today, but the Bible talks a lot about. It's revealed against our sin. And you remember that picture from a few weeks ago? We've gone into the doctors. We've had a CT scan. We've had an MRI scan. It's proved that our mind is riddled with cancer. Our body is full of cancer. There's no cure. It's all over. We're done for. And we say to the doctor, doctor, what can I do? And the doctor says, there's nothing you can do. You've got a deadly sin that will result in certain death. But, but, there is a cure. Praise God there's a cure. And Paul explained it very clearly. It's a God's plan from start to finish. That we don't die in our sins. We live in Christ. We, we give him free grace and we become new people. It's offered as a free gift. It's received through faith and it's available to absolutely everybody. Anybody. No matter how far away they are from God right now, no matter what they've done, where they've been, can receive it. And so here in Romans 4, he wants to expound this further and make it clear to his Jewish listeners particularly, but to all of us, that this is not just some little idea that's come up 2,000 years ago when Jesus arrived on the scene. It's thoroughly God's plan and it's thoroughly attested and approved by the Old Testament scriptures. He wants us to understand just how gracious God is. It's not like Old Testament, and I think some people look at the Bible like this. Old Testament is a book of law. New Testament's a book of grace. You could say that in some ways, but it's not the full picture at all. Really, the whole thing is the story of God's grace. The whole book is a gospel. Good news for lost people like us. God's glorious plan. So he goes straight in here in Romans 4, hitting the Jews where it would hurt with their legends of the faith and explaining how they fit into God's beautiful gospel plan. He chooses Israel's most famous patriarch, Abraham, and Israel's most famous king, David, to make his point. And uh, remember, he's writing to people who would understand this, who would immerse themselves in the Old Testament scriptures. And their confidence was the fact that they were Jewish They were of Abraham's stock. They were circumcised. They were set apart for God. And then this is what Paul says, Romans 4, 1 to 8. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh discovered in this matter, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Not to the one who works. Wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing. 
when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Let's be fair. God used Abraham and David mightily. But they were both very flawed men. At times in their lives, they act like complete jerks. There are no super saints in the Bible. It's ordinary fallen people. And I was thinking, as I was reflecting on Abraham and David, imagine if Abraham and David lived in the world of social media. Imagine how hot social media would be when Abraham, the idol, the guy who used to, whose family made idols, that's his history. Imagine if the news came out that God had spoken to him to leave the country, but he did with it without his family. But he disobeyed God and chose to take his family with him. Imagine the story of Kim, King Abimelech, who you know he chose to lie and tried to give him his wife, his, his wife, to join his harem to save his skin. Real sneaky, horrible stuff. Imagine taking his. Serve his wife's servant, Hagar, and having sex with her to try and force the prophetic of God. Imagine what social media would be like at that point when the word gets out. He's done for, isn't he? Imagine the 500 comments all about, oh, this guy who thought he was so great. Imagine David, King David, before Bathsheba. He was a robber. He was involved in treason. Then there's the terrible business of committing adultery with this woman and basically murdering a husband. They're done for. They're finished, aren't they? Imagine it. Imagine if I posted on Facebook, King David, hashtag, man after God's own heart. Oh, you are joking. We know what he's done. Imagine, father of our faith, hashtag, Abraham. Hashtag, Isaac. Hashtag, Hagar, hashtag, whatever it is. Imagine it. Imagine the, the bile that would be spewed out about these two men. Be careful. Please be careful how we use social media, especially at the moment. There's some horrible stuff about leaders. Leaders who desperately need the grace of God. And yes, we have to face up to our sins as David did and as Abraham did for sure. They live with the repercussions, but... Please, let's not be judge and jury. Let's not be bitter, angry, nasty people. Because if Abraham can genuinely be the father of the faith and David, after Bathsheba, can be called a man after God's own heart, there's more than enough grace for people who've fallen. Two men we'll see in heaven because of the grace of God. Two men saved by looking forward to the Saviour. Saved by God's grace, dished out in the old covenant. I mean, one of Paul's greatest assets, I think, is that he knew who he was. He knew he was BC. I was the worst of sinners. I had all the religious thing going on and all the accreditations, but actually I was a nasty, wicked, vile, evil man. And Jesus met me in that place on the road to Damascus. He knew who he was and he knew what he'd been saved from. Jews genuinely thought that because they had Abraham as their father and David as their king and because they were the special circumcised children of God, that that was enough. 
and how John the Baptist's words when he arrived on the scene, preparing the way for Christ, must have cut them to the heart because John the Baptist's message was, Luke 3 verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. I don't think we understand in this room how annoying to the religious spirit, how that must have stirred things up. Don't you realize who we are? We're true-blooded Jews, children of Abraham. We're the chosen people. And probably part of the reason John the Baptist had his head cut off was this kind of preaching against the false religious thinking that was evident there, but it's still evident today, isn't it? There's people who genuinely believe that because they go to church, because the Christian Christian, call themselves Christian, christened, baptised, pillars of the church, the from a Christian family, could it even be they work for a Christian ministry, that they're saved? We've got the accreditations. No, 400 years before the law, before circumcision was even brought about, Abraham, the Bible says, was justified by faith. And it was through grace. And Paul hits the two main pillars of religious pride. We've got this Jewish heritage. We're the circumcised people. And Paul says, no, religion can't save. Good works can't save. Good heritage can't save anybody. Only faith in Christ can save. And in Romans 4 verse 1, he clearly explains there are four words that we need to understand if we're going to understand the gospel. And I'd love it if you wrote them down and reflected on them and thought of these four words and wallowed in them and gloried in them and shared them with a world who needs to know all about these four wonderful words from Romans chapter 4. First word is righteousness. The standard for acceptance by God is righteousness. Only the righteous can be saved. Actually, he's the standard. God's perfection. Not just David and Abraham need to hear that, but you and me. Listen to this. Verse 3. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Verse 5. God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Verse 6, David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. The first word that we need to understand and wallow in and delight in is righteousness. We could never, we could never be righteous as if, as if... any amount of rapping for Jesus or feeding the poor or preaching the gospel in German schools or planting churches in Pakistan, if that's, if that's going to make us righteous before God, he never can. We can never, but we can be made righteous to us because the second great word is credited. There's a priceless asset called the righteousness of God that can be credited to our account And it is every time anybody becomes a Christian, when they truly accept Christ by faith, the righteousness of God, the only way to be made right, the only way to go to heaven, the righteousness of God is credited to our account. And in a way, 2,000 years ago, how about this? How crazy is this? It was credited to everybody's account. Jesus paid the debt of everybody. We were all 
our, our bank spiritual bank account was so far overdrawn by our sins, we could never pay it off with no amount of good works. But on the cross, Jesus paid every debt of everyone who's ever lived. How crazy to be living like a like a pauper. How crazy to be living in poverty spiritually when Jesus has paid your debt and all you need to do is draw it down in faith. All you need to do is receive it by faith. Receive to your spiritual bank account, completely bankrupt, no hope, debt you could never pay. Jesus paid the debt and by faith receive that and suddenly you're rich beyond your wildest dreams. Rich with the righteousness of God. Credited to your account. That's what he said. Abraham believed God. It was credited to him as faith, as, as righteousness. God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. Anybody glad? Anybody feel like they want to stop living like a bankrupt and start living like we've been credited with all the goodness of God, all the righteousness of God? When he looks at me, he doesn't see what I used to be, but he sees Jesus. And that's the basis I'm going to heaven. Because God's righteousness has been credited to my account. Third word is faith. Third Bible word. Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. But it it wasn't very impressive faith, was it? It wasn't like here's a mighty man of faith. He's the father of the faith. He's the model of faith. But he's the kind of guy who got the word of the Lord that even in your old age and your wife's old age, you're going to be given a son who's going to be the heir of the nations. You're going to be this incredible promise. And then he tried to force the promise. Not very impressive faith, Abraham. You went against what the Lord said repeatedly through your life. You weren't this mighty man of faith. Yes, there was some great faith off in Isaac. There were moments of absolute mountaintops model faith but there are other times his faith was weedy and pathetic it wasn't his faith that was credited to him as righteousness it was putting his faith in God listen to what Jesus said you know these words I'm sure because you have so little faith I tell you faith as small as a mustard seed and you can say to this mountain move from here to here and it will move nothing will be impossible for you you've seen a mustard seed tiny tiny little seed and Jesus said you don't need massive faith to change the world you need tiny faith planted in me plant your faith in the saviour and you'll receive the righteousness of God and beyond that even nothing will be impossible for you If you plant your faith in Jesus, we don't need to be people who whip up great faith on a Tuesday morning so we can change the world. We just need to plant our tiny faith. Oh, I've just got this little bit of faith, but I plant it in Jesus and we can move mountains. Mountains of culture in Pakistan. Mountains of culture in schools in Germany where kids are self-harming and suicidal. We can see that move as we plant our faith in Jesus. Wow. The Old Testament word for faith is actually more like our word for amen. It kind of means to be firm, secure, settled, permanent. We base our faith on the trustworthiness of God. God said it, I believe it. 
I choose by faith to believe the Bible. I choose by faith to, to live my life the way Jesus said. And guess what? I receive eternal life. I receive the righteousness of God. I receive the blessed life that God's got for me. Clearly not the easiest life, but the only life that can result in the righteousness of God in me and then through me spilt out. And the fourth and final word is promise. How do I know I'm saved? How do you know you're saved this morning? Do you know you're saved because you had shivers in your livers at big church festival when Bethel were leading the worship? I had shivers, you know, with 25, 30,000 people in that field singing oceans or whatever. No, not oceans, that's Hillsong, whatever it was. Whoever, whatever song it was. Oh, yeah. The song that gives me shivers is always, um, you make me brave, Daniel. You knew what I was going to say. What a prophetic man. You make me brave. That's the song that always does it for me. But and he gives me shivers. But I get the same shivers at a Coldplay gig, to be honest. Now, I know I'm saved because God keeps his promises. Because God is trustworthy and faithful and he does what he says and he has done through all history. And if I choose to believe the way the Bible tells me to believe, I receive all the benefits the Bible promises. So whoever calls on the name of the Lord, a cheating, conniving, adulterous, murderer like David, or a weak-faithed, mustard-seed man who lied and treated his wife so badly with not just with Hagar but with King Abimelech and all the other stuff the Lord said do this he did the opposite but those men those men are like role models of grace in the Old Testament if they can receive grace we can receive grace anybody can receive grace and the job of the message is to pour out lashings of grace the grace of God give this glorious message that works every time I'm so thankful that God has made some promises and that the door of salvation has been flung wide to everyone that Jesus died for. Everybody's sins, every person you ever made and all they need to do is draw down that incredible blessing by faith and they can join the righteous army of God to spill out his righteousness on the world. Verse 13 says of Romans 4, a little bit later on, it's not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. And here's the verse that I just want to finish with. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Would you say it after me? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Does that sound like quite a good exchange? Does that sound like extravagant love beyond measure? Does that sound like the offer that everybody in the world needs to know? That's why we work for the message. The message is that Jesus was made sin 
Jesus took the punishment for all the sin of the world so that we can become the very righteousness of God. Not say a little prayer at the end of a gig, but actually become the righteousness of God, revealing his righteousness to a lost world. Let's be those people. Lord, I just pray today. I pray you'll wake us up to the glorious, glorious inheritance we have in Christ. That we'll be men and women who go out there and in all sorts of wacky ways share with a world in need this incredible message. Yes, through our righteous lives, but through this righteous message that changes everything. And we pray many, many, many will receive that incredible gift through faith. It will be credited to their account because of your kindness. We love you, God. And today we just bring our tiny mustard seed of faith to you. We plant it in you, King Jesus. And we ask that the message trust can move mountains in this next season, all for your glory. Be the center, Jesus. This glorious message. Thank you, Lord. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.